Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're going to continue in 2 Peter chapter 1 where we saw that you have to continually add to your faith these qualities, the seven qualities. The first one was goodness. Then to our goodness, we added knowledge. To our knowledge, self-control. To our self-control, perseverance. Or patience is the King James. To our patience, we add this quality called godliness. And then after that, brotherly kindness and then love. Now, Peter said these are the qualities as a Christian you add to your faith. You keep them growing. You don't ever say, oh, I have enough brotherly kindness or I have enough love. We never arrive, do we? In life, we're always works in progress. So we're always growing. But in this one attitude, this one, godliness, this aspect that Peter lists, it's a fruit that is something that I think is easiest learned if you look at what is God's attitude towards others. How does God look at people? And we get an insight from reading it when Jesus told a parable in the Gospel of Luke. So I want you to turn to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 15, as we look at the attitude that the Father has. Now this particular chapter is the prodigal son. He taught two more parables before the story of the prodigal that go along with that story. They're all together. A lot of times we learn one of the three. You don't learn all three of them together. But since we're studying godliness, which means God-likeness, we need to look at the attitude of God. What's God's attitude towards this world? The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wanted us to have everlasting life. A gift, right? It's a gift. In fact, in Ephesians, it says this is a gift. You can't boast that you earned it or you deserve it. It's a gift by the grace of God. You receive it by faith. It's like if I say, I have a gift for you. I want to give it to you. What do you have to do to get it? You stick your hands out and say, okay, I'll take it. What are you going to do? Say, no. What's the catch? What do I have to do to earn it? No, if they're offering, you know what you do? You receive. You just say, okay, that sounds good. If someone comes and says, I want to give you everlasting life, I suggest you say, okay, and take it. Because that's what Jesus is offering. God is saying, I want to give you everlasting life. It's a gift. My son paid for it. It's not cheap. Just because it's free to us doesn't mean it was cheap. Most expensive thing there ever was gifted cost God his son's life. He sent his son to die for it. How many would give up your own kid? For those of us that have children, if you said, would I give up my son Daniel to die for a bunch of schmucks that are not doing good? Maybe for some good person, you might think of, okay, the Bible says, for a good man, someone might dare die. But not for some low-life person that's doing terrible things. You might say, forget that. Let them die. I'm not letting my son die. But God gave his son for everyone. That's how much he loved us. Everyone's included in the club. It cost him a lot. It cost him his son's life. When Jesus was on earth, they said to him, just show us the Father and it will suffice. If you could just show us God. He answered them, have I been with you so long a time? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Remember when the angels announced the birth of Jesus? The angels, when the heavens open up and the Jesus is born there in Bethlehem, the angels say, behold, this is the one that was promised. He is be called the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. Emmanuel translates from the original language means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. They said, show us God. And he's going, I'm here. By the way, that's a good question. A lot of people say, if God is real, why doesn't he come and show himself to us? And the answer is he did. He did already in his son. He sent his son to answer that. There's a deep question in a lot of people's heart. They want, if there's really a God, could he show himself to us? Well, yes. But while Jesus was here with us on the earth, he had the religious leaders come pay him a visit. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were the Jewish, what we call the upper crusts of spiritual leaders, supposedly. They were like, we're better than everyone else. They had that kind of holier-than-thou attitude. And so chapter 15 of Luke tells us about a time when the religious leaders of the day came to visit Jesus. And listen to this. In chapter 15, it says in verse 1, Now all the tax collectors and all the sinners, all the bad folks, I mean, tax collectors weren't counted in the good group. They were all coming near to Jesus and they were listening to him. But the Pharisees, both the Pharisees and the scribes, began to grumble. And they were saying, this man receives sinners to eat with him. Oh, that's terrible. Look at the company he's keeping. So Jesus told them this parable. He said to them, what man amongst you, if he has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing, will not leave the 99 in the pasture and go after the one which was lost till he finds it? Then when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends together and says, Hey, friends, neighbors, listen, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep which was lost. Jesus says, I tell you, if one sheep leaves your fold and you would go leave the 99 to go after a sheep, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons that are righteous who need no repentance. In other words, you've got to think, if you're willing to leave your 99 sheep to go chase the one wandering sheep, how does God look at the soul that has wandered, that is lost? Jesus says there'll be more rejoicing over that soul. You rejoice over a sheep. He rejoices over the soul that was lost. Now, isn't it interesting in the Psalms, it says, we are called the sheep of his hand. And who's the good shepherd in that story? The Lord. The Lord is the good shepherd that would go after the wandering sheep. Light should have been going on. Hey, wait a minute. I know a psalm about that. But then he goes on. He tells another parable. He tells the parable of the woman that lost her coin. Now it says here, verse 8. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and carefully search until she finds it. And then when she has found it, she calls her friends together and her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I have lost. And in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
who's he talking to? The religious guys, right? Do they care about the sinners that were lost? Do they care that the sinners that were lost, all the tax collectors and sinners that were coming and sitting there with Jesus, what do you think he was doing? The good shepherd is looking for the stray sheep. And he's got them coming to him to hear him teach them. But the religious guys are, he doesn't know what kind of people he has around him. Those are terrible people. And Jesus is trying to open their eyes. In heaven, in heaven, just one of those sinners coming back. There's rejoicing. The angels are having a party. They must have been having a big party up in heaven. And Jesus is there with a whole bunch of sinners that have you know, they were probably what we call the ones, the black sheep that wandered. But Jesus has got them back and he's brought them back and he's sitting there with them. But the religious guys, they don't see the good picture, not through the eyes of the spirit. They're just judgmental. What kind of people is he eating with? How terrible. So then Jesus tells them one more story. This is the one most people know from Luke 15, the one of the prodigal. Jesus went on to say there was a man that had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of this state that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. There he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. He's broke. And now he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And that citizen sent him into his field to feed the swine, the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one was giving him anything to eat. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread to eat? But I'm here dying with hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your hired men. But verse 20 says, When his father saw him afar off, he felt compassion for him and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. He hugged him, he grabbed him and kissed him. He was so happy to see his son. And the father said to the other slaves, Quickly, Bring out my best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Here he comes back. He doesn't even have shoes on his feet. Put some clothes on him and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he has come to life again. And he was lost and now he has been found. And they began to celebrate. When he embraced him, the son told the dad, Dad, I, I sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, the dad's attitude is what we have to pay attention to. Because Jesus is telling a story about the father. What was the father's attitude toward the son? Was the dad's answer, yeah, you're right. You blew half my money. You're a rotten kid. I'm not even going to call you my son. Uh, I might let you work for me. Is that what he said? No. He said, go kill the fatted calf. Get my best robe, put it on him. Get my ring, put shoes on his feet. Take care of this is my boy. And the father said, this son of mine was dead and now he's come to life. He was lost, now he is found. 
And they began to celebrate. This is the key. The father cares about the ones that are lost when they become found. Well, Jesus just said the angels rejoice when the woman found her coin. So do the angels rejoice when one soul comes back. Here, Jesus shows the father too rejoices, not just the angels. God, the father, I believe every time a sinner repents, he goes, rejoice, let's have a party, time to celebrate. Now the older son, he's outside and he hears all the commotion. And so he comes toward the house and he hears music, he hears dancing, and he summons one of the servants and he begins inquiring, what's going on? What can these things be? And the servant said to him, your brother's back and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry. So the father went out to talk to the older brother. In verse 28, it says, and he began to plead with him saying, come on, come in. And he answered and said, father, look, for so many years I've been serving you. I never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've not even ever given me once a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who devoured your wealth with prostitutes, comes back, you kill the fatted calf for him. And the father says to him, son, you have been with me always, and all that is mine is yours. You are faithful. It's all yours. But we have to celebrate. We have to celebrate, and we have to rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead. Now he's begun to live. He was lost, and now he's found. See, to the father, the attitude of the lost being found, the one who's dead being brought back for life. The father says that's cause for celebration. But remember, Jesus is talking to the religious snooty guys. And they're not picking up on that. All the people sitting around were all of the ones we would say are the lost. He had all the sinners, all the tax collectors all around Jesus. And they're saying, terrible rabbi, hanging out with those bad people. And Jesus says, let me tell you some stories. Let me tell you some stories to help you understand. Because they didn't perceive the way God looks at the lost. The Lord, when he looks a lost one, one wandering sheep, would the Lord leave the 99 in the pen and go chase the one that's lost? Yeah. Jesus is already sitting with all those lost sheep, taking care of them, getting them back. And the religious people are going, what a waste of time. Look at this rabbi. He shouldn't be doing this. And I'm sure by the time he got to the story about the older son who was there all the time, do you think maybe he was looking at some of them? I just have a sneaky suspicion that Jesus looked right at those guys. Like, you were with me always. All that is the Father's is yours. But these ones, and when he said, that the son of mine that was lost is now found the son of mine that was dead. Who do you think he looked at then when Jesus told the story? I bet you he looked right at one of the sinners that was around him, one of the tax collectors, maybe Matthew, the guy who wrote the first book of the New Testament. Matthew was a tax collector. Maybe he looked right at Matthew and said, but this son of mine was lost. Now he's found. And this one over here was dead, but now he's alive. And we have to celebrate. When someone who is lost is found, 
What's the father's attitude? Celebrate. It's a time to rejoice when somebody who comes from being so lost comes to God. We should not be like those religious snooty people going, oh, I don't know. Those kind of people really shouldn't be in our club. We are the Museum of the Righteous. This is our church. They treat church like it's like we're only the favored special ones. The ones that have always been there can come in. But the guy who wandered, he's not welcome, even if he's coming back. And he's got a heart that's repentant. Sometimes self-righteous people get this way. They act better than the other people. Well, I've always been here. I never wandered. Well, good for you. You saved yourself a lot of pain. Ask the guy who wandered, how good was the pig slop? Because that's what it says he was longing to fill his stomach with. He's looking on a pig slop that he's having to feed to the pigs and starting to go, but this is looking good. You know you're not in a good way. You know that you're in a pretty bad, desperate situation. If you're looking at the pig slop and thinking, it's starting to look appealing. But see, the father, when he saw that son coming back, listen to this. He didn't just sit on his porch and go, I'll wait till he gets to me. No, he got up, he ran to the son, and he embraced him, he hugged him, he kissed him, this is my son. How about if people that were not doing so well, and they came to the church, and they were greeted like that? I think the church, we're not really godlike in our attitude, because I think that's the attitude. Jesus was trying to teach the attitude of the Father, to the religious leaders that were there. And the father's attitude is he rejoices. He celebrates over a lost one being found. He celebrates over a dead one coming to life. But we go, I don't know. They weren't in the club from the beginning. I don't think they should be allowed to go on our retreat. How about you take the one that was lost and has been found and have a party with them? We should have a prodigal son party. PSP. We'll just text it. PSP party, because that's the attitude of the father. If only we would treat people with such a love that the father runs and hugs the son. The shepherd takes the sheep and puts it on his shoulders. He doesn't go, don't touch me. You were lost, bad sheep. Scold you. I scold you. No. He put the sheep right on his shoulders, starts carrying it back, rejoice. My sheep that was lost is found. I got it. It shows me that the care, the concern. How much care and concern do we show to someone who maybe they've been lost? Maybe they wandered. Maybe they squandered everything. Do we go up to them and say, oh, come, come and be loved. And let's have a party. Let's celebrate that you're alive now. You were lost, but now you're found. Come in and enjoy. That's what we should do. We should rejoice when that one that is lost is found. Now, that's the attitude. We don't always start with this. But remember, Peter said, you add to your faith goodness. You add to your goodness knowledge. You add to your knowledge self-control. You add to your perseverance this quality, godliness. Be godlike. Be like him. Welcome back the one that was dead. Welcome back the one that was lost. With love, with joy, with celebrating. Don't welcome back like, all right, you're back, but we don't really think you should be in the group. Because, you know, you're a bad boy. Or you're a bad girl. You, you, you did bad things. No. The father said, get my best robe. Get my ring. Get some shoes. 
Give him some sandals. Put him on his feet. The father didn't say, well, you already wasted half my wealth. I'm not giving you anything else. Isn't it neat, the father's attitude? It's like, get my best robe. Get my ring. Put it on his finger. The father welcomes back in a way that I need to grow. He welcomes back and gives the best to the one that was lost. Why? Because they lost everything else. He spent it all. He wasted it. He's broke. But he's not just broke physically. He was broke inside. And the father knew it takes love to take the broke inside and repair it. It takes love and celebrating the return, I believe, to help the one that was the prodigal because they're already feeling so bad about themselves. You saw the attitude of the son, right? I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just let me be a servant. The father didn't say, okay, you can be a servant. No, he said, no, get my best robe. You don't put your best robe on one of your slaves. What was he saying when he said, get my best robe, get my ring, get my slippers, put them on it. What was he saying? He's saying, you're not a servant. You're my son. You were dead. Now you're alive. Welcome home. Man, we should welcome people like that. If the church did that, how do you think people would react? I think church growth would just explode if we had more of God's attitude towards the lost. Guys, the woman who swept all night, lit the lamp and swept until she found the coin, it shows me she was willing to work to find the lost. The shepherd that left the 99 was willing to go out to reach to find the lost one. Churches need to pay attention to these stories. Are we willing to go out? Or no, we're just in our club. We don't leave the club. You know, we're in our own little pen. We got 99 safe sheep. But you're missing one. Well, too bad. There's a wandering one out there that's going to die. Are we willing to do the work? And are we willing when they do come back to welcome them back the way the Father does? The attitude of godliness, I believe, is one that rejoices over a soul when a soul returns, when a lost one comes back. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
mind complain It's just that life's become